Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of Living the Dream with Curveball. I'm your host, Curveball, and today we're going to talk Disability Equal Employment, as I am joined by Kevin McShann from Canada. He is a Disability Equal Employment Advocate, a multimedia journalist, as well as a motivational speaker. And we're, we're also going to talk about the project that he started called We Are Able. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. Curtis, I'm delighted to be here, and I want to thank you uh, for having me uh, tonight. It's most appreciated. Absolutely. Why don't you start off by kind of telling everybody maybe where you're from, kind of giving a little background about yourself. Yeah, no problem. So my name is Kevin McShann. I'm 32 years old. I was born with what's called uh, spastic quadriplegia, uh, cerebral palsy. It just simply means that I don't have enough oxygen in my legs to walk normally, and it affects things such as my uh, muscle memory, muscle movement, uh, muscle dexterity. I've uh, dedicated my entire adult life to helping uh, individuals with disabilities uh, find employment through either my employment advocacy or the work that I do through, uh, through my journalism efforts as well. Besides you having a disability, what made you want to dedicate your life to helping people with a disability find employment because as you know i don't know what the stats are in canada but in the u.s i think it might be somewhere around 70 percent of at least blind or unemployed so what made you dedicate your life yeah to I, I think for me curtis i live my life by a simple saying that inclusion is the gateway to independence and i believe that we all deserve to be placed on equal and equitable uh, footing when it comes to employment inclusion and equity for individuals uh, with disabilities. What uh, made me do this was I wanted to make sure that I did everything in my power to uh, create inclusive pathways uh, for individuals with disabilities to get employed. Because, you know, once you give someone a disability or with a disability a job, you give them access to increased self-confidence, self-worth, independence, and you give them a sense of belonging. So that's sort of the motivation uh, behind the work that I do and why I'm so passionate about it. So what are the disability laws like in Canada? Tell us how they are different than in the United States. In the United States, we have the Americans for Disability Act. What kind of disability laws does Canada So have? I live in a province called Ontario, and uh, the Ontario legislature passed something called the Ontarians, it's called the AODA, which stands for the Ontario Accessibility for Disabilities for Ontario's Act. And what it is is... It requires all uh, 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 buildings and accessible spaces and 
employment, uh, quality, and inclusion, uh, all of our public spaces and all of our uh, public businesses to be fully inclusive by uh, 2025. Uh, so the AODA is our governing sort of uh, mandate here in the province of Ontario uh, to uh, mandate and make sure that all of our uh, public spaces and, and public arenas are fully accessible uh, by 2025. But as you know, Curtis, things in the disability community tend to move a lot uh, slower than uh, we would have all hoped. So uh, why there has been significant progress made in this regard, uh, uh, the fight still continues to ensure that equal equality for all people is realized by uh, 2025. Tell us about the things that you have done. You've actually won awards for your work, working to advocate for employment with disabilities. Yeah. So tell yeah, us so, about that. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, begin by telling you that I was the uh, proud recipient of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal in 2012, and that simply recognized my efforts to make sure that our province here in Ontario fully adopted an employment inclusion pathway. Uh, I went up uh, to uh, Queen's Park to participate, and Queen's Park would be the equivalent of the provincial legislature here in Ontario, which would be the equivalent to your, your state uh, representative house in the state. So that would be equivalent to the state house to um, one of our members of provincial parliament, uh, Therese Nadeshak, gave me uh, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal for my work in uh, uh, promoting employment inclusion. I've also been given awards by parent groups for my uh, advocacy uh, for ensuring that children and youth with disabilities have equal access to employment. Uh, I was given uh, the advocacy award by something called Empower, uh, Empower Kids Ontario here in Ontario back in 2018. Um, so uh, I want to make clear that even though that I have been given awards, I don't do uh, the work for the recognition, of course. I do it because I believe that we all, all deserve to be placed on an equal footing, and if I can help in that regard, I'm happy to do that. What? Percentage of Canadians with disabilities or without jobs, would you say, in Canada? You know, uh, when, when I worked on something called the Discoverability Network here in Windsor, which is our province's new online job matching portal for indi individuals with disabilities and employers to get connected, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce, where the project was run out of and is still being run, run today. I uh, did a study that found that 77% of small and medium-sized businesses uh, are willing to hire people with disabilities, but they don't know where to find them because we know that people with disabilities are, are significantly underemployed. And, uh, we recently found out that 65% uh, of people with disabilities are without jobs while uh, it's nearly a third less of the non-disabled counterparts. So you can 
tremendous gap between uh, who is employed and who is not. Uh, so uh, things with uh, like the uh, Discoverability Network, which is an innovative tool, and the way it works, Curtis, is uh, you go on the it's, it's a website. So you go on the website, you create a profile, and you're matched specifically to hire someone with a disability, or if you're uh, a jobs, uh, if you're an employer, you're, uh, it obviously works the opposite way, and you're matched with uh, people that uh, are looking for work who have a disability. So things like the Discoverability Network, uh, and uh, I'll tell you that the way we uh, service uh, people with disabilities here in Ontario is going on a dramatic shift. So one of my big things and one of my uh, passions in life is to make sure that that individuals with disabilities are given the uh, career pathways to explore uh, different uh, career avenues for them to ex uh, express their interests as well. Tell us about the We Are Able project. Tell us about how you got that started, how long it was going, and how successful it was. And yeah, getting so, yeah, no problem. So the We Are Able project actually ran for about a year and a half. It started in February of uh, 2000. I think it was uh, 2013. It ran for about... 11 months during the duration of the project, we got a total of uh, 28 people employed and we gave 30 presentations in the 13 months it ran. So, the We Are Able project was intended to give local employers community presentations about the positive benefits of hiring people with disabilities. We're really uh, happy with that work that we did there. And from there, um, I got the chance to serve as the Discoverability Network Ambassador, which I went over earlier, which was our province's online job matching portal for individuals with disabilities. And during the course of that project, I was the ambassador for about 11 months, we uh, got a total of 70 people employed, and we connected the network with a total of 15 uh, total new employers here locally in Windsor and Essex County. What problems do you run into with resistance with companies not wanting to hire people with accessibilities, maybe because they don't know their ability or what they can do, or, or maybe their software is not compatible with whatever they need. What kind of resistance do you run into when you contact businesses and try to work with them on hiring people with disabilities? Yeah, Curtis, I look, look at resistance when it comes to employment equity and inclusion a little bit differently. I think uh, it's an ongoing conversation about education. And what I mean by that is that we did a study uh, here with the Ontario Chamber of Commerce and uh, why I was a part of the network that found that 80% of, of uh, accommodations for people with disabilities uh, cost less than $500 and could be as simple as the raised height of a desk, the use of a set, uh, assistant software, or a headset. So I think it, it's all about the uh, continued conversation about 
education and inclusion. And you know, when you hire uh, someone with a disability, there's a, a 92% higher retention rate and uh, uh, they show up for work uh, uh, more often than their non-disabled counterparts by a total of about 86%. So there is business benefits in terms of reduced costs, in terms of training costs, health and safety costs as well, because they want to prove that they can do the work. Uh, so it, it's always important to have that continuing education piece as well. So we have something called reasonable accommodation here to where you can tell an employer what you need and if it's reasonable, they're supposed to accommodate you. What is that process like in Canada and what is it called? Most of, uh, there isn't really a name for uh, specific accommodations. I think it, it's more here in Canada, it's more about telling the employer uh, what what it is that that is the individual needs. The way it works here is that we work with employment agencies a lot, and they go in and they're responsible uh, for working with employers to uh, make sure that accommodations are made. Now, if you're not a part of a service agency, per se, when you have an individual job coach or someone that will go in, oftentimes our social service system will work with you to make sure uh, that if you find your, that the, accom- uh, the appropriate accommodations are made uh, because everybody wants to get off social assistance, right, and prove that, that they can work. And if they do that, then it, it's a win-win for everybody because they're given the dignity of work and then they're, they're eased off the system. But as I mentioned earlier, the way which service people with disabilities is about to change drastically where the Ontario Ministry of Labor is looking into our jobs programs as we currently speak in terms of vocational programs and looking for the best way uh, to streamline those. So a lot of us who work in the employment equality space are, are waiting to see uh, just how that's going to change Obviously, because of the pandemic, Curtis, things like employment equality for people with disabilities will be again at the forefront of conversations because because they're out of work. And I'll tell you, I was about to start a job, and then because of COVID, uh, my contract got suspended. Uh, so I again am lumped into the group of people who are looking for work who have a disability. So I think it's an ongoing uh, conversation. And again, uh, COVID-19, if there's anything that that, uh, has come out of this positively, it's the fact that uh, people are uh, continuing to have a robust conversation on the best ways to assist uh, people with disabilities to find work. And I look forward to participating in a lot of those discussions as well. Let's flip over and talk about your journalism career. How did you get started in that? What all have you done? And what kind of resistance did you face 
as a disabled person trying to break into the field? Yeah, so I'll tell you, um, I view uh, journalism, I tell people that journalism for me is like lifeblood. It's like oxygen to me because I believe that everyone deserves a platform to uh, get in, uh, to have their stories told. And that's part of the reason I get into journalism is because I wanted a platform to help people tell the individual stories. Uh, currently, I'm working on a podcast venture called Let's Have This Conversation, uh, uh, which was born out of the pandemic. After my contract got suspended, obviously, I had uh, time, so I started this podcast in May of last year. It's uh, March of this year, and my next episode that I upload will be the 200th for the uh, podcast and for the uh, platform. As far as challenges for disabled journalists, obviously uh, more efforts in terms of a diverse newsroom have to be considered. Obviously, journalism is a profession that demands you to be mobile and to be quick on your feet. Now, I will say that advancements in technologies and uh, such as Zoom and Skype and and uh, all of those different uh, social media video conferencing uh, softwares have been easier uh, for journalists, but there's still an uphill climb in convincing news directors and, and those who are responsible for the hiring of disabled or diverse journalists to look at us as just normal applicants to a job rather than focusing on the disability for uh, disability first. But again, I think we can alleviate that simply by continuing the conversation about the importance of inclusion. We're responsible for setting up a lot of big interviews in the sports world. Talk about some of those interviews that you set up and what it was like setting those up. And did anybody doubt you as a disabled person or did they just know you know you could do it? So one of my all-time favorite gifts of life in terms of my sports journalism career, I started out as a, a sports journalist, Curtis. I went to school for that. And then I started this podcast because I wanted to uh, demonstrate my journalism diversity. But one of my great gifts of life in terms of and journalism is my friendship and my mentorship that I've been able to establish with with the voice of the Lions, Dan Miller, who's been nothing but gracious to me. Uh, Dan actually was one of my mentors in college. When I was in college, he was the sports director and still is the sports director at the local Fox station in Detroit, and he also serves as the voice of the Lions, and I did an interview for him, with him rather, while I was in my freshman year of college, and he said if I ever needed anything to hit him up, so he's appeared on uh, the podcast a couple of times, and he also helped me with a motivational speaking effort that I did to inspire local teachers here. I've also had the great pleasure and privilege of interviewing uh, people like uh, Travis Swanson, who was a center for the Lions. I've also interviewed a couple of uh, producers uh, uh, of uh, 
sports writer, uh, talk shows. I've interviewed uh, one of the former Bachelor contestants, Ryan Avalazolo, who is a big sports fan. So I've had a great privilege of interviewing inspirational people. And, and Dan Miller was certainly one of my sports journalism mentors before that. So, so tell us about your media company, Mobilizing Media, and also tell us the name of your podcast. And I'm sure is is it on all the podcast platforms? You better believe it. The name of the podcast is Let's Have This Conversation. You can find it by just typing that in and typing my name after that. And Kevin is spelled K-E-V-I-N. And my last name is spelled M-C-S-H-A-N. You can find it on all major podcasting platforms. Uh, you can also find it on YouTube. On uh, Mobilize, just before I tell you about the company, the podcast uh, today has over 200,000 views and over 3,000 subscribers. So I'm really happy about the progress we've made there. Uh, and then the, uh, the, the media company is just Mobilizing Media Innovations, which is my motivational speaking company. So Whoever pays me to be a motivational speaker, I get paid through that avenue as well. Are there any upcoming projects that you're working on that we need to know about? Any speeches or any books or any anything like that? I will tell you that I am really, really excited about the progress that we've made with the podcast. Uh, I'm working on securing some really exciting guests in the future. So just stay tuned to the podcast and all of the updates on what I'm up to will be uh, on the podcast. So stay tuned and take a listen to the content that we're putting out. So absolutely. Go ahead and give out your contact information. How can we connect with you? Give out any websites that you might have. Tell us what social media platforms you're on, how to connect with you. Yeah, so I am on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My Facebook handle is just my name, uh, Kevin McShann. My uh, Twitter handle is McShann819. And the reason for that is because I made the Twitter account when Kelvin Johnson still played for the Lions. Uh, so his number and Matthew Stafford. Number neither played for the team anymore, but that's how I came up with my Twitter handle. And my Instagram handle is McCann81509. And the easiest way to connect with me from a professional level is through LinkedIn, and you can just search my name. And again, check out my YouTube channel on YouTube. Do you have any final thoughts for people who? might be frustrated, you know, because they're disabled and they're having problems finding employment. Also, do you have any final thoughts for employers that are out there that might be kind of a little hesitant or, you know, give them some advice on hiring somebody with a disability? Yeah, no problem. So my advice to anyone searching for work who has a disability is that you're your own best self-advocate. So I know from personal experience how deflating it can be. You can apply for a million jobs that you think you're qualified for. And sometimes because of the disability, 
they're passing over. I mean, that's just a fact of life. It's changing, but it's still a reality that we're dealing with. But I would say this, that keep a positive attitude. Uh, you're your own best self-advocate. Use social media in a responsible way. Connect with people on LinkedIn. Make sure that your resume is up to date. If you don't have a lot of work experience, find a way to volunteer and use that as a reference point to get jobs. Volunteerism is a, a major thing. And, and for employers, I would simply say that there's there's a power of inclusion uh, that I think that more employers have to realize and accept and embrace because uh, individuals with disabilities are uh, tremendously uh, talented and, and it's a way to uh, reduce your costs, increase uh, diversity and increase morale. So I think that for anyone that is an employer that has openings and wants to fill them, I think uh, if they tap into individuals with disabilities, they're tapping into an untapped market of talent. So I think it's very, very important to embrace diversity for sure. One more question. Here yeah, in the sure. United States, we have a law that says that Government has to buy from companies that employ blind. Do you guys have some kind of law like that where the government has to buy so that dis disabled people can be employed at, at certain type of companies? Um, not that I'm aware of. Um, I know that uh, we're working very hard to ensure that individuals with disabilities are given and one thing I, I, I will say is that our government is working hard to ensure that people with disabilities are given a grant if they want to start a business. And I, I, this all goes back to being your own best self-advocate. I think surround yourself with uh, people who are uh, get up research or, or develop a system uh, that uh, allows you to be a good researcher because the more knowledge base you have on the subject, uh, the faster and more efficient you are in sort of coming up with solutions. So I, I would tell people to do a lot of research, make sure that your employment efforts are targeted to what you want, uh, make sure that you know how to sell yourself with a 30 second pitch. That doesn't sound rehearsed, but sounds confident, because I do think people with disabilities obviously have to work harder to demonstrate their skills and abilities. So I think my final message would simply be to keep at it, be your own best self-advocate, and eventually, if our voices are loud enough, things will change. You know, I'm an internally optimistic person, and... I always tell people the, the uh, limits to your imagination and what is achievable is only limited by the scope of your imagination. So I, I would leave you with that. Curtis, and I want to thank you very much uh, for having me on the program this afternoon. It's most appreciated. Absolutely. I definitely want to thank you, Kevin, and thank you for sharing your 
expertise with my audience today. And listeners, I want to tell you and thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, share, and review after you're done listening. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. Dream.